0: What's up, everybody? Today, I go on a rant about Mark Twain. We math check how many kids you need to repopulate a planet, and we ask the question, what kind of hostage negotiation can Sharice get behind? Stay tuned to find out.
1: Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. I'm your co host, Andrea. Cherise, today we're talking about season one, episode
0: 16, When the Bow Breaks. This episode was written by Hannah Louise Shearer and directed by Kim Manners, who you may know as a director of 52 episodes of X-Files. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of episodes. That is, I know. And I know it's a it's a favorite
1: of your show, so I thought you might like that. It totally is. Now I have to look back and see if any of those episodes feel like this episode.
0: Oh, totally. Oh, that's a great idea. All right, so the start date in this episode is 41509.1. And the Enterprise enters the Epsilon Mino system, searching for the legendary world of Aldea. The planet decloaks and reveals itself to the ship. The Aldeans beam down Commander Riker, Counselor Troy, and Dr. Crusher and explain that they have been unable to bear children for many years. They have revealed themselves in the Enterprise in hopes that they could trade their advanced technology for some of the Enterprise's children so they could repopulate their world. Riker refuses, of course, and the crews return back to the Enterprise. But simultaneously, seven children, including Wesley Crusher, are
1: kidnapped. All right, let's do a, a little bit of an overview of our thoughts. And then let's jump in. Let's jump into the rest. Perfect. So what are your
0: like overall thoughts and feelings on this episode?
1: So overall, I really like this. Um, I feel like this is just classic Star Trek. It's super nostalgic. Like it was, it doesn't suck like our last week's episode. Totally. It It made me really happy. What about you?
0: say same, but like, we're going to be agreeing a lot <laughs> in this, in this <laughs> teardown because I liked how it felt. I liked the set design, the costumes. I liked the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the solution. Like I kind of, I just liked all of it. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it.
1: Yes. So, um, <laughs> Aldea, they explain in the, in the beginning of the episode that Aldea is kind of like the lost city of Atlantis, but in space. Yes. And, um, I, what I thought was really interesting. So first of all, like, that's cool because Lost City of Atlantis is a cool story regardless of where it is, but then to make it in space, that's like such a fun twist on an old mm-hmm. classic. So that's idea number one. Yeah. Idea number two was um the planet was supposedly cloaked to avoid marauders all of this time so that they can be safe or something like that. Right. But Troy sensed the planet regardless of the cloak. And that made me think, oh huh, why. Not not why, but can is it possible for Troy to sense cloaked vessels like Romulans or Cardassians? Which I don't know if Cardassians have cloaks, but yeah, why can't she sense them? Then you know why do we even need our sensors or cloaked Klingon ships? She should be able to be like, wait, there's a ship somewhere. I feel it. <laughs> right. You know what? That brings up a good
0: point. When you started that sentence, I thought you were going to go a different direction. I thought you were going to say, can't other Beta Z ships just sense Aldea as well? So it wouldn't be cloaked forever.
1: Mm-hmm. But you're
0: right. Like you went the other way where it's like, she can also kind of sense anything
1: that's cloaked. Sure. Why not? And then sh- that would make her a great asset for security.
0: It absolutely would. That does beg a very good question. I wish this would have been actually like explored a little bit more and maybe it is like in later episodes, but yeah, she, she is in that moment in the beginning. I thought, aha, here, she is being super useful. Mm-hmm, me too. She has I the one skill that literally nobody else aboard the ship has.
1: Yes. This um, wasn't one of those times where like the Borg's invading and everyone's freaking out and she goes, Captain, people feel anxious. This wasn't yeah. one of those moments. This was like a moment where she pulled out her superpower. No one else could have felt that what she felt. And and I just thought, man, that, that's kind of neat. And like if she could if she could have used her power in the future for like when the bad guys show up that'd be super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I'm pretty sure we all forgot that this was thing. just like her, just like her hypnotherapy and her expertise in linguistics. Like a lot of her, a lot of her knowledge just gets lost in the shuffle. Just, she has a lot of like
0: throwaway skills that the writers seem to forget <laughs> immediately. Yeah. They have like writer amnesia. I think what you really need is a really, really kick-ass script supervisor. Who's going to remember like all these little things for continuity. Mm-hmm. So that in season six episode, whatever, she's pulling out the same skill she had. She's hypnotherapizing everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yes. Anyway. All right. So we have a cold open, um, in this episode, which we don't really have. It's not super common in star Trek where it's not like a shot of the ship going through space. It's just Riker. Oh, op- you know, coming out of the turbo lift. And when I watched this episode, the episode started on that, and I started trying to buffer my computer like the Netflix backwards, because I figured I must have just started sort of somewhere mm-hmm. in, the, in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that really was the opening. This is the first, like, cold open we have, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. So this little boy runs into Commander Riker, and did you notice he's running away from calculus class? He's like eight years old.
1: Yes, <laughs> like- but, this is, but this is the 24th century. So eight-year-olds take calculus apparently in the 24th century, I guess, which I believe because if you have seen education, stuff comes down sooner and sooner and sooner. So I could totally see that happening.
0: Really? See, I thought there's got to be a limit to that because you and I have both worked as tutors. That's the company that we were working at is where we first met. Mm -hmm. And I had eighth graders who were coming to me for like physics and chemistry help. And I was like, gosh, I didn't start learning that until I didn't do physics until college, but like. Mm-hmm. Chemistry was in tenth grade for me, and granted these schools had kind of like a capsule review sort of program, but still, I thought wow that they're really starting like a lot younger than mm-hmm. I would think, like in chemistry mm-hmm. and things like that. but I feel like there's got to be like a limit like a lower limit that we're kind of hitting the bottom of we're like eight years old and you 've already done like arithmetic and algebra mm-hmm. one algebra mm-hmm. two geometry t- trigonometry like when
1: would you have done that like when? I can't call it. Maybe (laughs) what we really need is like that matrix style plug. You just stick into your brain and learn stuff. Um, that, that would make more sense to me, but yeah, so this kid's running away from calculus class, poor kid. And the dad's just like, you're going to learn calculus, whether you like it or not. (laughs) If I had a nickel for every time someone said that to me, I would have zero nickels because it's just not what parents say. Like, that's just not what parents say.
0: I don't know. Have you ever met my mom? Even if I was like homesick uh-huh. and like legitimately like staying at home from school sick, she would make me get dressed and drive me in for math period and then pick me up at the end of the math period and take me back home. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh. How fucked up is that? Worst mom ever during coronavirus. Keep your sick kid home, man. Please, please do. That's really funny. All right. So we, we
0: come onto the bridge and we have this, like, beautiful unveiling of this idea, this, like, Atlantis-type planet, Mm -hmm. right? And it decloaks in front of them, and they're like, Aldea, and then da-da-da, and then it goes to, like, the the credits start to roll, the open credits. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a continuity error. There's a couple that I caught in this episode. Um, When they were talking about Aldea and the planet unveils itself, Commander Data is sitting at comms, just, like, pushing his buttons, and then the credits roll and the credits end and we're like back on the bridge and they're talking about Aldea and data is just barely sitting down and like pushing the comms panel towards himself.
1: And I'm like, where were you? Where he went you went to literally... the bathroom during the credits. <laughs> I mean, the credits are kind of long. They are very long. It's a, it's an amazing theme
0: song. But it is a very long opening it's, credit. It's
1: good. It's really good. The visuals are super awesome. Oh, Picard's so whole good. speech of space—you're just like, ooh—it gives you chills in the first. I
0: know. <laughs> I know. I do love that. and I love that it starts on the planet Earth, and then it kind of
1: like backs yeah. away. Like, yeah.
0: Cool. But yeah, data, data was sitting down, and then all of a sudden he wasn't sitting down, and then he was just helping himself to sit down.
1: Yeah, right away, mm-hmm. and I was like,
0: okay, that, yeah, that was not there.
1: There, that there were a few moments there. in this episode. I guess I only saw one at the very end, and I was like, wait, what? That was, wait, what just happened? Uh, but I, I believe that let's, let's point them out as we find them. That's yeah. gonna be fun. <laughs> so here's um, my thing with Aldea. Yes. So in the beginning, they're giving this us this whole history where Yar's like, what the heck's Aldea? And Riker's like, well, you know, it's like the Lost City of Atlantis and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, no one's ever seen it. And I'm so excited that maybe we might be able to see it while we're here. And then poof, it appears. And I was like, perfect huh. timing. Yeah, it was like this mysterious planet that people have only theorized exists, but it probably doesn't really exist, but wouldn't it be fun if it did exist? It shows <laughs> up within the first three minutes of the episode. It was kind of like, for me, it was like, where's Waldo with only Waldo on the page. See, but you know what?
0: I, I had a similar thought, but then I remembered that in the open, they had talked about how they had kind of followed this trail of breadcrumbs, and the breadcrumbs ended right there. Right,
1: right, right, right. So That's true. remember, That's they true. had been they
0: had been waiting for the Enterprise to show
1: up, and, trying and so as to, soon as yeah. it did, mm-hmm. as soon as
0: it did, they kind of unveiled themselves. I you know um, that's
1: a good point. And they were probably listening in because they knew like everything about everybody. Y- they sure did. Maybe. They sure
0: did. I know it was super creepy. It was very like, please, you know, Alexa, turn off.
1: <laughs> I am watching listening. To
0: <laughs> um, so the leaders of Aldea beam themselves onto the bridge, which I thought this is like Ferengi again, where they're like just beamed onto the bridge. However, they haven't had any contact for a millennia with any other ship, So they probably wouldn't know.
1: Um, and there they beamed are- themselves. So they were kind of like, what uh, we what? And they were like, yeah. yeah, I mean we said we were coming. You didn't know you didn't know that meant right now.
0: Yeah, we're coming. Shoo-hoo, we're here. Um so okay, the two leaders are Rochella and Radu. Jerry Hardin, who plays Radu. He comes back in TNG and he plays Mark Twain in that two-part episode "Time's Arrow." Yeah,
1: yeah. And Mark Twain is so annoyed. Oh my god! I just want to smack the (laughs) shit out of him. He is so annoyed.
0: Just shut up.
1: Get out of everybody's business. Why are you hiding in the closet, Mark Twain? god damn it he makes me so mad <laughs> that's my rant we'll come back to that in season five uh-huh. for times arrow
0: but um okay he also though here's an x-files crossover he also plays oh deep my throat.
1: gosh he's totally an x-files that's where i know him from deep dive deep dive deep dive. did you do a deep dive on on the woman like rochella because um, she looks so familiar,
0: you know what I did? I didn't get a ton. She's been in just like a lot of things. Okay, okay. she's been in a ton of stuff. She's still a current uh, working actress now. Um, she's in her sixties, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. She's an actress and like a yoga instructor, or or oh. like a big yoga practitioner or something.
1: Mm-hmm. And I went,
0: oh, that makes sense because she just has like aged beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's that crossover, and I and that's where I did that deep dive on Kim Manners, who's the director of this episode, and he did he directed like. 52 episodes of X-Files. And I was like, Oh, okay. So you might be getting some crossover. And he was recommended as a director for X-Files by Rick Berman or Rob Bowman. Sorry. Who was like another big director of TNG. So it's like mm-hmm. a very small community. They're all sort of crossing over.
1: So anyway, interesting. We're learning so much about Hollywood. We never so knew much. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I
0: had no idea. So we get this like sudden beam of light, which was like a very cool special effect. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but as soon as I saw that and I saw like everybody on the bridge freaking out, I started freaking out. I think it like drew, did a good job of drawing you in, but it, you mean the the
1: spotlight search?
0: Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it like found all the children. And so now we have this away team down on the planet and they're saying like, we can't have kids. So here's what we're going to (laughs) do. Here's what we're going to do for you. Uh, Give us some kids and we'll give you our technology that might take you like millennia to, naturally get to yourself um and Riker, of course is like that's going to be a no for me dog and Mm -hmm. the seven kids are just beamed down to aldea immediately including wesley Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts
1: yeah i mean they this is like they're such bullies but they are like um intellectual bullies right they're intellectualizing what they're doing and captain picard even points this out later on where he's just like they're trying to have their way regardless and now they're trying to rationalize why they're going to do what they're going to do They're saying, they're calling it negotiation, but they already have what they want. They just want us to go away. So I thought, yeah, that's so true. Like they're pretending to be, um, you know, like civil about it. Like, oh, let's just be adults and let's just have a conversation and whatever. And here's your compensation for your children. Like we're not unreasonable. We'll give you compensation. Exactly. Exactly. But but they already have what they want. So it's kind of like, (laughs) yeah, I mean... It's like stealing something from the store and then being like, well, I guess I could pay you, but you already stole it. So, and you have no intention of giving it back regardless if you pay me or not. So, um, yeah, just my, my thoughts were like, wow, I I get that they're in a very difficult situation. Um, but like, it feels like they are having no consideration for the fact that these are these people's children. They're just like, and when Rochella gets so connected to Alexandra, Mm -hmm. she's so attached to this little baby. And then when he's like, no, you have to like give, give her to her, yes. her unit. And she's just like, I'll never let her go. I'll never let her go. She's mine, mine, mine. It's like, well, how do you think her actual parents feel about her then? Like now you should have some sympathy. That's a really
0: good point. Cause I, I wrote in my notes, like already, you know, we're starting to see like, you know, fractures start to appear in all day in society because, you know, Rochelle doesn't want to give this kid up. So yeah, that hey, that's a really good point because then it, it begs the question and it, You don't want to give this child up. And you literally just met her five minutes ago. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: How do you think these parents are going to feel like the real parents? Um, Also, here's a question that is never addressed in this episode. If you have an entire planet of sterile people, introducing seven individuals is not going to do anything to bring that population back up. Like seven kids, really? Also, you have to wait 30 years for them to be ready to procreate. Why not just kidnap a bunch of like adults? And have them start procreating,
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: you can have kids from there, or even a bunch of young adults.
1: Yeah, even even why not? I mean, they the reason why they kidnapped children is because they wanted to raise the children in the aldean ways, oh. and they wanted to like imprint their beliefs and their values and things like that on kids, which is why they picked young kids. Mm. And they picked Wesley because he was the oldest, and he's like really bright, and that he was going to be their leader to help them assimilate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like their their explanation for why they picked those kids and why they picked so few or whatever. But if, if it was just like a mathematical thing, if they just needed to repopulate the earth, it would make more sense to get a bunch of people Rochelle's age, yeah, you know, and just get a whole like bunch hundreds. of 20, 30 year olds. Yeah. Hundreds. yeah. Just get, I mean the, the enterprise had like a thousand thousand something people on the crew. I'm sure they could get, you know, a couple hundred of people yes. in their twenties, thirties who are of age to procreate. And then those kids can be raised in whatever traditions, but But yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And yeah, seven kids are not going to do anything. And also, they still didn't get down to the root of the problem. So I like how Beverly, um, and we can get into her little -hmm. little stealthy thing with Mm -hmm. Wesley, but Mm -hmm. I like how Beverly was just like, well, wait a minute, guys, your sterility, how do you know that it's not just going to affect the children and they're just going to be exactly the same as you? Like she said that in the beginning. And they were just like, no, 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 that can't be. It's genetic. It's genetic. It's It's not contagious. These kids are going to be fine. And you're like. Well, then these kids can't mix with your kids because your kids are all screwed up genetically. Yeah. So you're expecting these seven to procreate with each other to make, I mean, they're not mice. They don't make litters of 14. Yeah. At best,
0: at best, yeah, at best, you're looking at seven kids. If they have three or four, you're looking at like 28 new individuals, really,
1: in your entire planet. That's that are going to rule the entire planet in like even 30 years. to make like a neighborhood feel crowded.
0: Never mind a planet. <laughs> like, that yeah. just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Um, fun fact Will Wheaton's younger brother and sister were two of the kids in this episode. No way. Was the little yeah. Harry, was that his brother? I think Harry was his brother. So Jeremy and Amy Wheaton um had two uncredited roles. So I don't know if that means they didn't have speaking roles or they were just background, but there was only one boy and it was the little sculptor. And I think that might have been what, uh, Will Wheaton's younger brother. And there were also
1: the kids in the classroom that didn't speak. Yeah, exactly.
0: So it could have been, it couldn't have been, I'm not sure, but I thought that's pretty cool. It's kind of like bring your siblings to work day and they get to be on a TV show, which is super cool.
1: That's super cool. That reminds me of Macaulay Culkin when he was back on 50 million movies back in the nineties. Oh yeah. his Siblings were always co-stars with him or almost always co-stars with him in his movies, which is like just really cool. You're
0: right. You're right. Um, okay. So these kids are now like on Aldea and they're actually being treated very kindly, which is something you would expect because these people are just like missing raising children. So of course they're like thrilled to have them. Um, I take issue that little youngest kid who took Alexandra. To, yeah. Who took to mm-hmm. Rochella right away. I was like, Judas, don't go <laughs> hugging her and snuggling with her. What are you
1: doing? Bad idea. Well, cause she's so little I mean, she's, she's and so teeny. Yeah. She's so little and she's just so cute. Oh my gosh. Every scene with her. I'm just like, look at her little face and her little red hair. She was oh so my cute. God. I had the opposite reaction. Oh, you didn't I was like, adorable. that kid is
0: so creepy. Like just the way she was speaking. Well, here's the thing. She was a cute kid, but her dialogue was so creepy. I was like, were the writers of this episode Aldean who'd also never seen a child before? Because how do they not know how she speaks? She's so robotic and weird. I was like, what the fuck is going on with this kid? It's I like- mean, have you
1: ever have you ever seen a play that kindergartners put on? It, mm. It's not it's not awesome. I mean they- <laughs> It's, it's just not awesome. The, the point is not for them to be great acting talent. It's, it's usually not, just for them to be really not, cute. It's not
0: Peabody award-winning dialogue or whatever. Not
1: <laughs> so much. No, no. It is a little robotic. And I mean, for them to memorize any lines is super impressive. Um, That's true. But I will say, even after she's all snuggling up with Rochella, there is that moment when all the kids are like, all saying to their units, I'm sad. I want to go home. Yeah, I want you know, and my she's, mom. yeah. And she's just like, I want my mom. I want my mom. I want my mom, which is actually also accurate. Like she's That's just totally like, accurate. Yay. Let's play. And then to also be like, I want my mommy. Like, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be here. I want my mom, you know, just yeah. to be really like obnoxious about it, which she wasn't, she could have been way more obnoxious. Oh my more God. Realistic.
0: Yeah. She was, she was actually just like sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this episode was cool for a couple of reasons. Like this is the first time that so families have been mentioned a bunch on the enterprise since the beginning of the series. But this is the first time where like families actually take center stage, um, which I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but there's also a slew of issues going on on Aldea. Like Wesley's introduced to the custodian, like their mainframe computer, mm-hmm. but like nobody knows how to work it or fix it. And when he asks, like, "What's behind that door?" they're like, "I don't know." Like, so it starts to kind of create, for me at least that question in my mind, where I'm like, when you become too reliant on technology, you kind of coast on it and like rest on your laurels. But like, what happens if you actually need to ask some critical thinking questions or fix this technology that on this planet is like making life so simple and easy and lovely for you. And then of course we have like the issue of the LDNs being sterile, which we'll talk about in a second. Like there are reasons why. So it's, it's like, it, it kind of puts a lot of like balls in the air, at least for me, um, in watching this episode, which I loved because it wasn't just the kids are kidnapped and that's that, like there's mm-hmm. shit going on on the planet too, where you're like, huh, what is all this? And I love that Wesley was one of the people who was like, you guys know that you need to like know how to fix your computer. Cause it's going to break. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it had run over a millennia with no problems, like mm, false.
1: False. Right, right. Like, oh no, we'll never have to fix it. And he's like, every every machine needs maintenance. Every single piece of technology. Yeah. Like you can't just let it go. Yeah. Um, and she's just like, wow, you do ask a lot of questions. <laughs> just like, isn't that why you picked him? Because he's, he's <laughs> right. You picked him because he's like inquisitive, and then you're like, stop
0: being so inquisitive. Yes.
1: I literally <laughs> had a boss who was just like that, right? I got hired, and she was like, wow, I love how you asked so many questions. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I really, you know, I appreciate that. And it's because I really want to know how to do certain things and what's going on. I think no question's a dumb question and all of that. Yeah. And um, you know, a few months into working there, she's like, Oh my gosh, you asked so many questions. (laughs) Right for exactly. I was like, Yeah, still the same person that you had hired. Like, I'm not changed. I (laughs) mere months ago. Yeah. And then and then it became like, (laughs) you're questioning me too much. And then it was like, okay, this is this is a good time to go ahead and exit this position. (laughs) Um another thing. So we have the Aldeans who are like, we just rely on our technology because it's awesome. And then we've got Mm -hmm. the parents on the ship who I felt I feel like they should have had way more emotions, like way, way, Mm -hmm. way more emotions. They should have Mm -hmm. been so much height, so much more heightened. I do appreciate how Beverly was like, we are Starfleet. We all knew the risks when we signed on for this, when we brought our families on, we knew that there were risks and that this could be one of them. And I kind of appreciated that because Beverly's always so cool under pressure when Wesley's being kidnapped or you know, when Laura was going to like shoot him in the face or like poor kid, man has gone through so much. And every time he goes through something crazy, she's just like my son. And that's it. She's not Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, he's going to, you know, like she's never like really emotional. And so again, when he gets kidnapped off the bridge, Beverly's just like my son, you know, and I'm like, that's it. That's all you got to say. But then when she gave that, that kind of counsel to the other parent, I was like, you know what, that is true that they they did sign on for this. This is a military vessel. They do have considerations. This isn't like they were walking down the street at the grocery store and their kid got kidnapped. Yeah. It's like they're in a dangerous situation. So I was like, I guess it kind of makes sense that they're not losing their crap, but I wanted to see more, more emotions. I want to see more sadness, outrage, anger, like real real do something. Yeah. Real human or helplessness. Yeah. Real human. I want to see a, a gamut that I feel like I didn't see. Yeah. yeah. All right. So
0: The you know, Picard is saying, like, don't worry, we're not leaving without these kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, little do they know the Aldeans have this repulsor beam that can send them three effing days away at warp nine. And he's like, that's just the tiniest bit of our power. And if you persist and you do not comply with what we want, we're gonna be we're gonna push your ship so far away by the time you get back, your children will be grandparents. And I went, oh. My God, like what do you do? That for me felt like the dark soul of the night. Like every movie, every you know, every movie that has um or TV show or whatever, like every story that has this like huge problem has what's called the dark soul of the night, where it's like you don't the see the dark night of the soul. Is
1: that what it's called? Mm-hmm. The dark it's night the of the soul. The dark night of the soul. The soul has oh, okay.
0: So all of these TV shows and movies have the dark night of the soul where it's like you can't come back, like you don't see any way to fix this. Because if they don't comply, they're going to be sent so far away, like they'll never get back to their kids. Mm -hmm. And that for me was the dark night of the soul.
1: Yeah. When I saw that part, I was like, wow, now this is a hostage negotiation I can get behind as opposed to too short a season. (laughs) Uh, Right? Like, I'm sorry. That was amazing. (laughs) You know, we need Cherise, That that right
0: that right there is the quote of the episode. Now, this is a hostage situation. I can get
1: behind. Or hostage negotiation. Yeah, because here's we need what I'm that saying. On merchandise. Oh my and, god. And we probably will have that. So in, the, in, in our last in our episode that we reviewed last week, too short a season. There was a hostage crisis there that just was never a thing. We never see the hostages. They never get rescued. We never There's know. was a McGuffin it was just dumb. Like, we don't know why they're, it it was just dumb. Everything about it was dumb. And you're just like, we don't even care about the hostages. Now we don't even know who these people are. They're just like regular people. It was just dumb. So when we were talking about it last week, we were just like, but why this and why that? And what about them? And there's so many unanswered questions and we don't feel any emotional attachment to them. We more feel an emotional attachment to that Admiral who was an idiot. And so our emotional attachment was like anger or frustration at, at the Admiral, but that was it. Here in this case, when they get pushed away three days by this repulsor beam, you're just like, Holy crap. Now this is a legit hostage situation. Like there, how yeah, do we get we out of care. this? We care about, this. we care about this. We're like, Oh my gosh, it's the children of all things. And even though they're being nice to the kids, they're not being mean to the kids and they're giving the kids a great future and all that stuff. They still kidnap kids. We can't, we can't ignore that. Mm-mm. We need to get these kids back. And there is no way that the enterprise can get through their advanced technology. They just do not have the skills. They see this little like fluctuation in the, in the force field, but that's not enough to just beam the kids out because the Aldean said, the only thing that can beam through our force fields are our transporters. No one else's transporters can work. And you're just like, oh man, see, this is what I love. I love these episodes like this, where you really can't in your mind, think of a solution.
0: Exactly. That's what I love about that dark night of the soul, because you as an audience member knows Okay, it's 15 minutes until the episode wraps up, so they surely are going to come up with something, but I can't think of any way. Mm-hmm. Like, in um, what was that horribly, one of the horribly racist episodes, um, Justice, where Wesley is going to be put to death. Man, poor Wesley has been through
1: the fucking <laughs> He's about to be put to death
0: by mostly naked people, no uh-huh. less, mm-hmm. and that godship is like, don't interfere with my children, whatever, but the, the, I think they're called the Edo. Remember they were like, you could just transport away Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. there's nothing that we'll be able to do about it. So as an audience member, we're not totally invested in like what's going to happen to Wesley. Like we know if it really gets down to it, you can just beam him up and Mm -hmm. zip away at warp seven and you're fine. But here it's like, this was good writing. This was like, you have to do what we want because now the lives of our children are at stake
1: Mm -hmm.
0: or your children are at stake And like, we will send you so far away. There will be no hope of getting back to them.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not even going to be hope of you getting back to earth. If by the time you get back here, you'll be great. You'll be grandparents. Like you're going to push them into the Delta quadrant like Voyager. Yeah. And also this is reminding me of angel one where they were going to kill all of the, um, the people who crashed on their planet. And then we're starting this upheaval about men's rights. Right. They were just going to kill them all. And at same thing where it was just like, if it comes down to it before they say, you know, execute, we're just going to be like, and get, you know, beam you know, us up, to and, beam up. Yeah. and just going to beam everybody up. And so it was the same thing where there, why it was interesting is because it was the, a question of um, gender equality. Mm-hmm. And so that was the interesting part, but the danger of dying was not as scary because you're like, yeah. they could just beam up any second. Yeah. But this one, you're like, crap, they can't, they can't beam up and How they are can't you guys get, get in out of this. They can't get yeah. in. They can't get out. Like yeah. they can't negotiate. What's going to happen. So I, yeah. I thought that was great.
0: It is. That was, this was the first time that we have a conflict Um, where I, in season one, where I was like, I honestly don't remember how you guys are going to get around this problem. And they actually do in a really interesting way. It really becomes the children that execute a plan that Mm -hmm. makes them kind of like undesirable, um, which is cool, but we're not quite there yet. So they finally, you know, at work nine, three days later have come back to Aldea.
1: And this part we skipped before they got pushed away, Beverly got a chance to see Wesley and he she slipped him. You're right. The, uh, the little scanner for the tricorder. That's right. And gave him a little nod. and he kind of walked behind um, one of the Aldeans and scanned her very subtly. Duana. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and then slipped it back to back to um, Crusher, which actually worked out because the three-day journey that they took back to Aldea gave her time to analyze her findings. And figure out what was really going wrong with the Aldeans.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is, that is true. I did think that the handoff was like hysterically bad, but I went, okay, you have to make it uh, like obvious enough for the audience to know what's Mm -hmm. going on. But yeah, it was, that was actually a really smart plan because she did have some suspicions about why they were infertile, especially because we didn't, we don't know anything about the Aldeans other than like what you hear from like myth. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was actually great because as they're warping back, she has the results Um, everybody on the planet is dying and they're suffering from chromosomal degradation. And um, infertility is one of the symptoms of that. And then it comes out a little bit later and Beverly discovers like they have a hole in their ozone layer, which is allowing the planet to be bombarded by radiation. And so they're all dying from like radiation poisoning, just very slow acting
1: radiation Mm -hmm. poisoning. And it's like a double whammy because it's their, their ozone layer is super thin and their cloaking shield just traps in all those greenhouse gases. So it's like yes. it's, it doubly hits them, that they don't have that protective layer in their atmosphere, and they've got this shell keeping all of that sun radiation inside.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I li- millennia. I really like that they address this as an ozone hole problem, which is something that we have on our planet, but they they didn't hit us over the head with it, mm-hmm. which I really like. Um, I like that it wasn't, it was subtle enough to be like, oh man, yeah, that's something that's happening here on earth too. Like, you know, the bigger the the ozone layer, the worse our sunburns get, even when you're out just for a couple of hours. It's, there's, a, there's a slew of issues that like, that come mm-hmm. into play with that. But I like that they mentioned like, it was a problem on earth in the 21st century. Um, and this is something that we're seeing here as well. So that was, that
1: was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. I think if I remember right, and granted, I was a little kid at the time, but I think at the time when this episode aired, the hole in the ozone layer was starting to be a big thing. It was on the news yes. every single night. Like, oh my gosh, yes. there's this hole in the ozone in t- 20 yes. years. We're all going to be dead and all this stuff. So I think probably the reason why it was subtle in the episode is because we were being hit over the head with it every single day oh. on the news. So they were just like newsjacking, right? They were just picking up a story that was on the news and turning it into a story in the show. But us looking back at it like 30 years later, yeah, now we're like, oh, it's such a subtle hint to how we should take care of the environment. But I think at the time it needed to be subtle because that was all you need to say was the word ozone and everybody was triggered like, oh my gosh, this is what's going to happen to us, right? We're all going to be sterile if we keep doing what we're doing.
0: It was, it's aged very well then because yeah, Mm. it was subtle enough. But I think you're right. Yeah, if we had seen this episode in 1988, we would have been like, oh my God,
1: right? Yeah, I don't think it would have been subtle in (laughs) 1980. But I think now, yeah, it it doesn't feel like it's hitting us over the head. It does feel like it's hitting us over the head about technology, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Because they made some big statements of like, now we see the dangers of technology, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I'm like, who talks like that? Nobody, <laughs> nobody talks like that. And I think Picard gave a speech too at some point. Of course and he like, did. Ugh. Of course he did. Okay, so back on the planet though,
0: Harry is learning how to sculpt and he sculpted a dolphin. Now, is it just me or did everyone have one of those wooden dolphin sculptures in their home growing up in the 80s?
1: We did not have one of those wooden
0: oh, dolphin my God. sculptures in our home. I feel like I, I had multiple, like my parents had multiple and then like, all the neighborhood kids had them. And like my cousin had them. Like I was seeing those damn dolphins
1: everywhere. I was like, Oh my God, it's the eighties wooden dolphin sculpture. I've never seen that before. Oh my God. Really? So maybe that's why they did it. Maybe that's why they did that exact thing to be like, Hey guys, you got the same one that we've got here on Star Trek. <laughs> right?
0: I saw that dolphin. I was like, God damn it. They just got that at like target or whatever. Cause everybody seemed to have, I, I thought for sure when I jotted that down, I was like, Sharice is going to be like, Oh yeah, I had one of those too.
1: So no, I'd never seen it before. I thought it was so cool. I mm. love that sculpting technology. That was amazing. Wasn't like, that cool? Oh, I wish we had something like that right now. I would totally use it. Like it's a like, laser pen. It's like a laser pen. It's kind of looks like a Dremel where, you know, you can like carve into things, but it's like, you just point it and it carves everything at once. That was amazing. So and then the cool. little, the little musical instrument that you just play with your thoughts and feelings. Yes. That, that was, was like, super cool because that's how music, that's how musicians who are truly successful and like people just love and have cult followings. It's usually because they really feel their music and they help you feel their music. Yes. And so to have an instrument that actually responds to your emotions and thoughts, I was like, yeah we need that too. Like, I know. They were so freaking cool. Yeah, they
0: were. This was, this was like, um, prop nerding out right here. Yes. Like the props department did such a freaking fantastic job. Yeah. And even like to look at how, if I were a prop master, like how would I even build that instrument that the girl holds? Cause it lights up and it's got these like, almost like different colored resin. Mm-hmm. Inside, right? So it kind of like blinked all these different colors. I thought it was so cool. It was super duper cool. I did think that there was a really good moment in that musical lesson where the where the man goes, now play something happy. And she goes, I don't feel happy. And the line was like a little bit robotic, but really it's like, yeah, what did you guys think was gonna happen? Like you took these children away from their families, and you can kidnap a child and take them to Disneyland, but at some point the Disneyland wonder is going to wear off and they're gonna be like, I, I just want to like go home to my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when are you going to take me? Yeah. So I thought that was actually a good moment. Cause even that artist seemed to be like, Oh uh-oh.
1: yeah. And then they talked about it when they, when they were doing their hunger strike. Right. Harry was just like, but I kind of like these people and I don't, you know, are they going to get mad at us? Are we going to get in trouble? And I mm-hmm. like them. And Wesley was just like, you know what? I like them too. You know, I do like these people, but we have to go home. Like we don't want to be here. Do you yeah, don't here forever, want to stay here forever, Harry? And he's like, no, it's like, okay, we like them. They're nice people, but we don't want to be here forever. So we gotta, we gotta do something to yeah. let us go. Well, as usual,
0: Wesley to the rescue. The, well, the Crushers to the rescue because <laughs> Dr. Crusher is doing her bit on the ship yeah. as they're warping back. And Wesley is deciding to do a passive um, protest, which I thought was really, it was really cool because I love how I explained it to the kids too. I'm like, that's, yeah. Really it's cool. our way of saying, we're not going to play by your rules anymore. Or whatever it is that you said, but I was like, ah, this is, yeah, that was a really good way of explaining. It. I thought that was really well done.
1: Yeah. That felt super subtle. There was no villainizing there. It was just like, Hey, this is what we're doing guys. And like, yeah. even a little kid can understand it that we need to have on some merch right there. Crushers to the rescue or Wesley to the rescue because, Seriously. Oh my gosh, season one is just, and who put Wesley in charge
0: again? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. We need like an eighties spinoff of just the crushers
1: right? And they're
0: doing like the intro where like they have their back turned to the camera and then they turn and give a thumbs up or something. <laughs> or she's got a tricorder and she's scanning the camera. I don't know. But yeah, they are just killing it. They are just killing it. So they have this passive protest. And I thought it was funny that the, the head guy, I forgot his name, Radu, he he basically called down Beverly and Picard. And he's like, okay, let's continue slash finish our negotiation, Meanwhile, they kind of hatched this plan. They found, you know, through these fluctuations in the shield, you might be able to beam a couple of people down and they can kind of hijack the computer. Like, here's what we're hoping is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So they do. Um, Data and Riker beam down at the same moment that the LD's like, beam down um, Picard and Dr. Crusher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was funny that Dew was like, hey, the kids are acting in a really weird way. Can you talk to them? And then he just let Picard go see
1: them, like, unattended. Well, and he also says, he also says, I mean, I'm not very good with children. And I was just like, uh, you think? <laughs> That's why y'all don't need to have kids. Like, what are you doing? But yeah. Yeah. What did you think was going to happen when you got a bunch of kids? <laughs> like, it's like going to make you better. Yeah. But he had nothing to fear from Picard because he knew they, they couldn't beam out without them. And like, yeah, I just, I don't think he, he saw Picard being unattended as any threat whatsoever. Where's he going to go? What's he going to do? And when he came back with the kids and he was like, what are you doing? And he was like, we're leaving. The first thing he did was push the little button was go to push the button to like, be like, nah, uh -uh, Nope. We're just going to beam you out. And you know, like I just think he felt like there was just zero threat.
0: Yeah, I I guess you're right. And, and this was, this was a, a kind of a cool moment where him and Dr. Crusher were like, listen, you guys are being bombarded by radiation. Your technology that's like preserving your way of life is also slowly killing you guys. You can have children, with treatment and we're willing to give you that treatment. And he's like, no, no, no. And like the way that he refused to listen to any reason, mm-hmm. like, I don't know
1: exactly what it is, but it got under my skin so badly. Like it was a walks on a Troy moment. That's why. Do you think so? Just yes. the Not listening. That dismissiveness where it was just like, no, no, no. I've already decided what I'm going to do. And we're just yeah. going to do that. Goodbye. You know, and you're like, felt- just listen. <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess, to me, I think I'm extra sensitive now because of like the current political climate we're living in, but like not listening to facts or reason, just, uh, uh. (laughs) like my, I start, like my blood starts boiling. Like I get so frustrated
1: and something that can help you. And so I like how Rochelle was just like, wait, let's actually listen. Like, I want to listen. We don't have to agree with anything. Let's just hear them out because, and she was the one who, who finally like got on the, on the train that, crusher, but really crusher had said in the beginning of like, wait, are we just dooming these kids to our same exact fate? We're going to get these kids and, you know, repopulate our whole world with, you know, 28 new humans potentially. And then all those 28 humans will be sterile. So like, are we just like doomed to repeat that? Yeah. We're just like prolonging the inevitable at this point. Thank God for her because she really kind of knocked some sense into him and he let them all go back. Um, well, and they, they, took down the transporter things and the shields and whatever. So they, he couldn't, he couldn't just beam them off. So they kind of had to listen, but she wanted to listen anyways. But now when they had no choice and the kids were all back on the enterprise, it was like, okay. You know, and when, when they beamed the kids away, he was just like, you've doomed us, you've doomed us all. And Picard was like, no, we're going to help you. Do you want to, you know, let us help you. We will help you. And then it was kind of like, all right, we have no, no, no bargaining chips now. All that other stuff is out of the way. Now let's focus on solving the actual issue in a sustainable way.
0: In a sustainable way, I think is important. And I mean, all of this really sort of hinged on the fact that Data and Riker were able to like lock out the computer or the custodian or whatever they want to call it so that they couldn't just beam them away. They couldn't just send a repulsor beam to send them like 50 years away or whatever. Like they couldn't do any of that. So now that you're on an even playing field, you're not forced to play the game.
1: Which yeah, is, now uh, you have to important. negotiate for real, but yeah. we're not going to negotiate because we took our kids back. Let's just help you <laughs> to get healthy yeah, and be on There's a, way. There's another solution to this problem. I mm-hmm, only mm-hmm. found one, but there's actually other solutions. Yeah, yeah, there are
0: like real sustainable solutions. So they get the kids back on. They, it, you know, in sort of the epilogue, it shows that they've patched up the ozone hole and, and, um, the Aldeans are responding favorably to the treatment that Dr. Crusher has like designed, which yay. Um, mm-hmm here's, here's a little like snippet. Um, they said, you know, once we, once we basically had to like explain to them that like the shield that was protecting them, the cloaking device was actually killing them. Like they now don't have that anymore. So now Mm -hmm. they're going to be open to marauders and visitors and all this other stuff. And they can't really stop that. But also,
1: I mean, where's the danger of marauders? I think this marauders danger thing was like, the idea of why they first invented the cloak—I'm not so sure yeah. they need it anymore, right? Like we're not necessarily in the days of pirates. They have—they still have their freaking repulsor beam. <laughs> like yeah. if any marauders come now, they just go pew and just shoot them, shoot them away, right? And I think they need an infusion of new species and cultures yeah. as well in their tiny little society, um, just for if for no other reason than for diversity of thought, right? So people can come in and ask questions and you know mm-hmm. come up with different solutions. So. Yeah. I and think like, they'll be fine.
0: And I think from a, um, sociological perspective, this is an exciting new time for Aldea because now they are going to have an infusion of different cultures coming in. So this like culture that has been, been distilled down and is like super pure and untainted by like any outside influence. Now they're going to have to learn to adapt with like Klingons coming to visit or Romulans or what, or whoever, right? Like mm-hmm. this is actually like a very interesting time. Like for that culture, like w- what they're about to jump into, which I thought mm-hmm. was And amazing.
1: somehow they're not xenophobic, which is so crazy because right. all the other cultures that are like, have their little bubble are very xenophobic. Even when we were talking about Angel One, even on that planet, they were just like, we don't Super. need your help. We don't want your help. Like stay yeah. out of our planet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, very interesting. Well, yeah. Luckily they're more open-minded. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I think that's what they're trying to say is they're more advanced technologically. So they're more socially aware or something like that is I think the the idea that they're trying they're trying to connect as far as I'm seeing so far in in our season one they're trying to connect advancements in technology with advancements in society which Mm. um are not necessarily correlated like it's not a one-to-one correlation but I think that's the message they're trying to to give because I think that's what we think we think oh we're so technologically advanced so we're so like so morally and emotionally and everything else advanced. But we were talking yesterday offline about how your dad was telling you, right. About how like people don't change. Do you remember that? Yes.
0: Yes. Like human nature doesn't, doesn't really change or hasn't really changed even when we have new technologies.
1: Yeah. I
0: mean the way that we in the year 2020 perceive like love and lust and power and greed and desires and things like that are the same way that like the ancient Greeks and the ancient Egyptians perceived those things as well. We just have different like methods of acquiring like information or goods and services, but, that, but that's really all like I can door dash some food and have it be here in 30 minutes, but really that doesn't change like who I fundamentally am as a human.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That it's, it's very, it's very much the same like across all time. Um, yeah. So, okay. So the episode kind of closes out and Wesley brings Alexandra to the bridge. Mm-hmm. And of course, Picard is like, what is the meaning of this? Right. And he's like, well, mm-hmm. sorry, she wants to say thank you. And she gives him flowers and a hug. And I don't know if you noticed this, is this the continuity error? She was holding a stuffed animal tribble.
1: Yeah. That creepy little, oh, it was a tribble. Yeah. That creepy little thing she was holding from the very beginning. Oh my God. It was bothering me so much. And only at the end was I like, is that a tribble? Is that supposed to be like a little throwback to like the original series? I think series? it is. I think it is a stuffed tribble.
0: I think it might be. So she's hugging him and she has this stuffed animal tribble and then she pulls away from the hug and it's gone. And I'm like, Excuse me, script supervisor, where were you guys? <laughs> Somebody was on a coffee break and didn't catch this. Like she was holding this because suddenly it was gone. And I was like, Oh, continuity. Which yeah. continuity errors for me are kind of a thrill to find but also disappointing. So I'm like, What do you mean this isn't a real show? What do you mean this is a real ship and real people? What do you mean
1: cameras and lighting? No. These people exist. Yeah. This ship is real. Like <laughs> Yeah, and you know daughter. something something we didn't mention yet. Shorty uniforms. Oh, there were yes. A couple of shorty uniforms in this episode they as were well. A couple scans. You know what uh, I
0: I remembered it, but we were already like so deep in our throat yeah, conversation. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was like, yeah, whatever."
0: <laughs> we yeah. still see scans. I'm I'm wondering if season 2 episode 1 is where we're going to not see any more scans. Um, no, Although season, wait and see. Yeah. Season three, episode one is where we get like the new uniforms, the new and improved Mm -hmm. ones. So that Mm -hmm. might be where the scans end, but I really feel like they end in season one, like at the end of season one, I don't know, but that's just my prediction. We are only watching like one episode at a time as we review guys. So we haven't watched like the whole series and we're just going by memory. (laughs) Like we really don't know when that's going to end. So we'll Mm -hmm. let you know.
1: Do you have any final thoughts on this episode? Um, I don't know. My final thought is I just, this was great. This episode was great. It Mm -hmm. made me happy. It was so much better than the last week's episode of Too Short a Season. And I just feel like we're on the uptrend. I'm very hopeful. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but then
0: we hit skin of evil in like five episodes and it goes all down the drain again but then so. we
1: hit conspiracy and it's so good but then we hit the next episode neutral zone and it's really bad but then we hit season two and it's really good so i'm i'm hopeful we're we're okay. on an upward trend you know what this is this is like a weight loss
0: battle right you go down a little and up a little and then go down a little and up a little you know but we're going the opposite way we're going up mostly but down just yeah. a little yeah i i like this episode oh i really liked the set design on aldea like it yeah. felt like a totally different place and different planet. Mm-hmm. Like I love when they go to these different planets and they have these totally like vastly different feels to them. They're so cool. Like yeah. the set designers killed it in this one.
1: Yes. And the costumes were really good too. Mm-hmm. I really like that. The, the main guy, Radu, he had this um, like fabric shirt, but it had a leather trim for the Mm -hmm. collar. And I was like, leather and fabric, that's amazing. Like, I just, I love that hard and soft mix of text, of textiles. And also their transporter technology, they just like disappeared Mm -hmm. from a, from a technical standpoint is a lot easier to do to like pause the camera and you just walk away and then turn the camera back on. Yeah. It's a lot easier than the like swirly glitter water that they use for transporter effects. Mm-hmm. However, it felt so futuristic and cool because of it it like the really water. On. Yeah, like, there. ooh, that's that's even more advanced. You don't see the little glitter. So, you know, you don't see the slow transition of the body. It's just like poof, it's gone. Yeah. So it was a technically easier thing to do, but in their context, the way they made it, it looked so much more futuristic and fancy. So I yeah. love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like- they did they did a really wonderful job. This episode was so great. It was really great. Um I I really enjoyed watching it and, um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our teardown of it, which at times meandered (laughs) guys. Thanks so much for listening. Next week. We're talking about season one, episode 17 home soil. So we'll see you next week.
1: Bye guys. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at the to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.